Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. Good morning. It is a joy to see all of you here today, and I'm going to echo a little of what Jeremy said just a moment ago, that I am also one of the new kids here which you probably already know. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Nancy Johnson. I am blessed to be the new associate pastor here, your new minister of congregational care, and I look forward to getting to know each one of you here in this worship service and outside of it as we walk this journey together. Amen? Amen. Our scripture passage today comes from the book of Genesis. Way back in the beginning of our Bible, chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. And I invite you to rise in body or in spirit as you're able. And let's hear these words of Scripture. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on, since you have come to your servants. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened to the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah shall have a son. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Abraham sat at the opening of his tent in the heat of the day. And I feel like if there is any sentence in this entire passage of Scripture that ought to resonate with us, it's that one, right? We know just a little bit about heat. It is July in Athens, Georgia. The temperatures are going to be breaking 90 this week. It wasn't that long ago. They were breaking 100, and so we know a little bit about what heat is like. I know a little bit about what heat is like. I just moved here from Augusta. And there's something you may have heard about Augusta, something about the lay of the land that seems to trap heat, so it's always hotter there than anywhere else by 5 degrees or 10 or 20, depending on who's telling the story. (laughs) But we know what heat 
feels like. And yet, for most of us, we don't let it slow us down, right? Now, my family and I, we have been doing a lot of things out in this heat. We are new to your beautiful city, and so we've been trying to get out and see some of the sights and explore <clears throat> what there is to be seen. We've gone hiking on the North Oconee Greenway, and we have picnicked at the Nature Center. We've been walking through the botanical gardens. And we didn't let the heat slow us down from any of that and seeing any of those beautiful sights. Now, we also have been unpacking boxes in the sauna of our garage. But even there, the heat doesn't get to us too badly. It hasn't stopped us from doing the things that we do. But there is one thing that I don't really like to do in the middle of the heat of the day, and that would be to run. If someone were passing by my house in the heat of the day, I am not sure I am going to run to meet them. And if there's another thing that I don't want to do in the middle of the heat of the day, especially if I lived in a tent without air conditioning, that would be to cook. I don't think I would be making a meal for any of these people who passed by my house in the middle of the day. And so it's just one of the many surprising things as we read this passage of Scripture that we read about Abraham doing, how he gets up from the place where he is reclining and enduring the heat, and he runs to greet these strangers who are passing by, these men who are standing there near him as he reclines in the heat of the day. They are strangers to Abraham, but he gets up and he runs to meet them and to offer them hospitality. But what Abraham does then goes way over the top because he arranges not just for a little bit of bread to be brought, like he says, but cakes made from the best flour. Now, Abraham really undersells here what he's going to do. He really under-promises. He says to them, have a little bit of water to wash your feet. I'll bring you a little bread for you to enjoy as you rest. And then he goes and he prepares a banquet with cakes and the finest meat and all of the fixing. And he serves it to them running from one place to another, to the tent, to the herd, and back again. And then after he's promised them this picnic and after he's delivered this banquet, he stands with them there under the trees as they sit and enjoying the meal, and he's as attentive as any waiter watching, ready to meet any need that they might have. Abraham's hospitality goes way over the top. And I can say a little bit about what it feels like to have that kind of hospitality. Over the past couple of weeks, you all have given us hospitality that is way over the top. Me and Jeremy and our families, you all have given us a welcome that is warmer than any I could possibly imagine. You have been gracious and generous and made us feel at home in this new city, in this new congregation. It has been way over the top. And earlier when we were planning for this sermon and as we were meeting in our worship meeting and we were talking about the title of the sermon going way over the top, they asked, do you want to keep that word in way? And I said, yes, we have to keep that word in because the hospitality here has genuinely gone way over the top, just like Abraham in his time. And I am so grateful 
for that and for all of you. Now, Abraham, in our scripture passage today, he's almost frantic, right? As he runs around to try to entertain these strangers. And as far as we know, these people are strangers to him, that he's never seen them before. Now, we know, we know that this is a visit from the Almighty. It says so at the very beginning of our scripture passage. It says, the Lord came to Abraham. And we have some questions, of course, about this visit. We wonder, who were these three men? Were are they all together? Were they God? Were they angels? Were they the Holy Trinity? And we may struggle a bit to kind of understand exactly what this, this visitation is like, and it's probably best if we don't get too firm a grasp on it, lest we think we understand God a little too well. But there's a lot here that's not clear, and yet what is clear is that we do know as we read that this is God paying Abraham a visit. These three strangers who are suddenly near the tent are divine messengers to see Abraham. We know this. But does Abraham? Does Abraham know who these people are? I wonder how on earth could he? There's nothing in that first encounter that would give them any kind of idea, give him any kind of idea who they are. Now, toward the end of their visit, that secret starts to come out just a little bit. But at the beginning, as Abraham sees them, as he runs toward them, and as he begins to prepare food for these guests, there's no reason to think that there are anything more than what they appear to be. Dusty travelers, passers-by, people walking on the road to get from one place to the other who may just benefit from a rest and a bite to eat. And it's very telling that this by itself is enough to send Abraham into this frantic activity. Now, when I read this passage, what I can't help thinking is, what if they were nobody? What if they really were just passers-by, as Abraham surely must be thinking that they are? Abraham didn't have to offer them everything that they did. He could have never have suspected that the creator of everything was going to show up and a tired body with dirty feet. All Abraham knows is that three weary strangers have appeared on his doorstep. What if they had been nobody? As we read our scripture passage, we might put ourselves in Abraham's place. We might wonder, would we recognize God as God came into our midst, if he greeted us in this kind of form, in the form of a nobody, do we have to remind ourselves that nobodies matter? Or do we face our worst fears that we might be numbered among them? Now, probably all of you this week saw in the news the photographs that were released by NASA from the Webb Space Telescope I hope you saw that. 
And now if you had heard any of my preaching before today, then you would know that you could just about set your watch by my bringing that up here because I have been fascinated by this telescope, by its story and by all that we hope to learn from it. I preached about it or I mentioned it in my sermon on Christmas Eve, the day that if you remember, it was supposed to launch although it ended up being postponed just a little bit and it launched on Christmas morning when most of us were opening our presents. And I've been following the space station or the the telescope on its website when it would give you information like how many miles per second it was traveling to reach its destination. And finally, just a few weeks ago, when it, when it reached that place where it would stay in orbit nearly a million miles away from Earth. And then just this past week, as NASA received and offered to us some of the pictures that were taken but, and recorded by this telescope. And I don't know about you, but I was in awe. And so I read about it and I watched about it on the news. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson explained to a journalist about some of these images, one in particular that was my favorite. Looks like it's no more than a group of stars that we might look up and see in the night sky. But in fact, it was a multitude of galaxies whose images were bent and arched in their journey through space to reach our eyes. And they said all of this was taken of a photograph of what we might look at from Earth if we held up a grain of sand to the sky. These pictures that were released were not only astoundingly beautiful, but also breathtaking in their sheer size and scope. We saw a nebula whose peaks and valleys could contain the earth many times over. We saw places where stars were born and where they died. And nearly everything that we see in those pictures are thousands, if not millions, of light years away. Which means that the images that we are looking at aren't things that are happening today. They're not even happening long before today. They're happening before Abraham went and greeted his guests. And so looking at these breathtaking images, I think makes us deeply aware, maybe even uncomfortably aware of our very, very small place in the universe, right? We are reminded how fragile and impermanent we are And it certainly helps us get rid of any false ideas of our own importance in the universe. Now, I suppose when you get right down to it, this is what made God's promise of a son so very important to Abraham and to Sarah. Now, this promise was made by God just a few short chapters before this, and now these strangers 
bring it up again. God had promised to Abraham and to Sarah not only that they would have a son, but that they would be the ancestors of a nation of multitudes. And this is crazy. It's crazy not only because it would have been their heart's fondest desire, but it was also impossible. Abraham and Sarah were long past the time that it would have been normal to have children. At this reading, Abraham is, not, Abraham is 100, Sarah is 90. And so God made this promise to Abraham and Sarah in a time and in a place when children were not only considered to be a blessing, this is true in any time, but it was something that ex was expected. In fact, probably the reverse is true, that not having children was considered to be a curse, a terrible thing to be visited on anyone. Children and descendants were things that gave your life meaning, that gave you influence beyond the reach of your years. Children meant having a lasting impact on the world. And if Abraham wanted to secure his legacy, that meant children. It meant offspring. It meant descendants. Without children, they worried. Would they be nobody? Isn't this our heart's desire as well? It may or may not be to have children, but to make a lasting impact on our world, to do something that will have a positive influence that will last beyond our own years, that we can leave our world a little better than we found it, that we can make a difference and make it a positive one. Isn't this what we all really want? And some of us might do that through children, but we also hope that any of our efforts, big or small, will have an impact on those future generations. Now, another exciting thing happened just this week. A new statue was installed in the United States Capitol Statuary Hall. If you've never been there, this part of the Capitol building has several statues, two for each state in our nation. And this week, there is a new statue that represents the, sta the state of Florida. And the statue is of a woman who was the child of enslaved people, who in her childhood became so insistent on the need for an education that she became the only child in her family who attended school. Although each day when she attended school, after she left and went home, she would teach all that she had learned to her 16 brothers and sisters. Mary McLeod Bethune became an educator herself and a strong activist and advocate for education and for equal rights of all people. Her life will have a lasting impact on the future generations, and so her statue will become the first of an African-American in the Capitol Statuary Hall. Now, most of us are never going to get that statue, right? I don't know about you, but I am pretty sure that my name is not going to go down in any history book. 
And that's okay because I do know that the impact that we can have on our world today can happen with the actions that we take on this day and tomorrow and each day. And it may or may not be through children that we raise in our own household, but it can be through kindness. It can be the kindness, the care, the compassion that we show to young and old, to friends and to strangers, to the nobodies among us, to the marginalized and the vulnerable, and the efforts that we give to make our world, our nation, our community, our block a better place will have a lasting impact. This is what happens when we listen to the voice of our calling. Now, there's a lot of talk nowadays about our calling, our vocation, vocation as it is different from our occupation, that word that describes the work that we do. Instead, our vocation, that word that has its origins that are the same as vocal or voice, it describes our calling, the way that we are uniquely gifted to interact with our world and to serve our neighbors and the people around us. And when I read the story about Abraham and the strangers, I have to ask, what if my calling is kindness? Because for all of us, our calling could be considered to be multifaceted. And for some of us, our calling and our occupation may overlap. Our job and our vocation may occupy the same space, my job. Is that of a pastor? Also of a mother? But then I am also the unpacker of boxes. I am also the organizer of rooms. I am called to do a lot of different things, and sometimes the tasks that I have to do are no more than just the tasks, the work, the project that I need to do to keep the wheels of the world going. But sometimes, sometimes the work that I do is part of my calling to make a difference in the world around us. It's what I am called to do, and it's who I am called to be. And when I read the story of Abraham and the strangers, I have to ask, what if our calling is compassion? What if our calling is each other? When I hear the news about famine that is going on in nations far from our own, when I hear about people, about refugees who are uh, who are made homeless from war, who are looking for a homeland. And I think, how could our world be different if each of us made this our calling, if each one of us took ownership and, and prioritized the well-being of our brothers and our sisters, if our priority were the health and the thriving of our world, not just the things that we do after we are finished with all of our mundane occupational tasks are complete, but what if the love of neighbor were our first supreme 
calling on our lives? What if we recognized our vocation as each other? What if our calling is the nobodies? Then I would imagine that there would then be no more nobodies. And we wouldn't have to ask the questions about angelic visitation versus a dusty traveler because the answer wouldn't matter anymore. Isn't this our calling? To care for one another, to love the Lord your God, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and to learn how deeply these things are connected. And if we can do that, if we can do that, then going way over the top might not even be going way over the top anymore. Maybe it'll just be Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day it is. Then just think what kind of impossible things might be born in our lives when we live into that calling, when we are willing to listen to the holy voice that is calling us to something greater than we've ever imagined. Imagine if God can make Abraham and Sarah the parents of a bouncing baby boy. Imagine what miracles might be born in our world. Brothers and sisters, what miracles might be born in Athens, Georgia? Let's find out. Let's pray together. Loving God, we know that your calling on our lives calls us to things greater than we might imagine, and we know, God, that you are present often in unexpected ways, and you give us the power to do and to be all that you have called us to. And so strengthen us now, enliven us with your spirit, so that we can go out and, like Abraham, go way over the top in our world and in our community. For we pray this in the holy name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.